I'm delighted to welcome Head of Opera Clive Timms to the podcast. Clive is here to tell us about the forthcoming production of A Midsummer Night's Dream in the Barbican Theatre, but also it's a particularly poignant occasion as this is the last opera under his watch before his retirement at Easter, so it's also a last chance to catch up with Clive before he steps down. So Clive, welcome. Thank you. Um, first of all, tell us about A Midsummer Night's Dream. It's opening on the 28th of Feb in the Barbican Theatre. What can we expect? Well, what you can expect is an excellently sung and well-acted, well-played, beautifully designed and sensitively directed production. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> can you tell us what kind of era we're looking at? Because I get the feeling we're not expecting fairies and forests. And well, I don't want to give anything away, but no, you are absolutely right not to expect to see fairies and wings and things like that. Go with an open mind, take it as it comes. Okay, and well, was there a reason you chose this particular opera for the cast? Well, it's the same reason as, uh, the, as we've cho chosen every opera for, and that is that it fits the performing group of the second year opera course really well. And in addition to um, giving good roles to all of those people, it offers quite a lot of other roles to students in the first year and even beyond that to some students who are coming onto the opera course later on. Oh, right, okay. So it does spread the net very wide. And um, and it, it's a wonderful showcase for you know for everything that this school does you know best. I mean, it, not only is it good for the singers, but it's great for the orchestra, um, and the orchestra will be in a very exposed um, pit in the Barbican, much more exposed than they are in our theatre, where they're buried sort of six feet down. <laughs> um, but just the sheer scale and the size of the of the Barbican stage, it, it just it just raises everybody's game and opens up their imagination and makes them feel they're in a real theatre. I mean, there is nothing about this production which feels like a college production. Its production values are very, very high, as we've come to expect from our technical department. And it looks absolutely wonderful and it will sound great. Um, well, do you think there are particular challenges for the singers in this kind of production? Are there certain things you expect them to learn from this? Well, the first thing is that they have to learn to, to occupy the space that they've got. I mean, it is, it is a very big space. Um, they have to learn to project themselves and their voices into a larger auditorium than we normally use. I mean, the Barbican Theatre, I think, holds more than double our normal capacity. Mm. Um, so it's a big space to fill. Um, hopefully, it will bring in a much larger audience, a more diverse audience than we normally um, expect. So they will be showing themselves off to you know, a great range of people, people in the profession, um, not only mums and dads, but you know people from all sorts of areas, uh, interested areas. Uh, it's very public, and, it's very, and uh, even more so than doing the show in the Silk Street Theatre. It's a difficult score. I mean, it, no score written in the 20th century is ever going to be easy. Um, it presents a lot of musical challenges. Everybody has vocal challenges. Um, there are difficult ensembles, quite tricky areas as well. Um, and there's a lot of intricate staging to be done. I mean, it, as you know from the story, I mean, it's not only uh, romance, but there's a lot of comedy. Comedy's very tricky to bring off. Um, yeah. So, it, you know, it's going to challenge them on all fronts, really. Excellent. Your creative team for the show includes conductor Stephen Barlow, director Martin Lloyd-Evans and designer Dick Bird. How do you go about putting together a professional team for this kind of production? Well, the first, the first two uh, people that um, um, 
get their name on the list are the conductor and the director. I was determined that Martin was the best person to direct this show. I mean, he is our resident producer. He knows the students really well. They they like like him. They like working for him, um, and he is a very talented director. And I knew um, that he would not try to do anything which was beyond um, the scope of the school to actually to put on. I mean, he has, by the very nature of the place that we're doing it in, had to um, push the boundaries a little bit in terms of design. Um, but you know, we, I expected that. But he um, he he will get the, mo the most out of our available resources in that space. Um, I've conducted, I think, five out of the last six productions, so I thought it was about time somebody else <laughs> did a show, and we wanted, um, an, obviously, an experienced conductor to take um, to, to take the show on, and Stephen Barlow has conducted opera pretty well worldwide, a very experienced conductor, in fact, and he also has the benefit of being uh, partly, at least, Guildhall trained, so it was a very good, uh, very obvious choice, really, for me. Um, as far as design and lighting are concerned, that is very much in the area of um, who the director wants. Um, we've had Dick Bird here before, he did um, Little Green Swallow with Martin several years ago. And Martin felt that he had the right sort of um, imagination for this, for what he had in mind. And um, Simon Corder, his light, the lighting designer, has worked here many times before. We've tried to get him even more times, but he's always so busy. <laughs> um, fortunately, we've got him now light, doing, designing the lighting for this show. But while he is here, he's also in the process of designing the whole concept for next term's production. So we're getting sort of double whammy out of him. Oh, I see. OK. I can't believe you didn't tell us what the setting is. <laughs> I'm intrigued. No, no, no. <laughs> it's like asking the conductor to tell you the story. You don't do that. Oh, that's true. <laughs> um, well, as I mentioned earlier, this is the final opera production before you retire at Easter. After over 20 years heading up the opera department at the school, how are you feeling about retirement? Well, I don't really think of it as retirement. It's actually just a change of direction. Uh, I mean, my plan is not to um, go away and put on my slippers, but actually I plan to carry on conducting um, and just to relieve myself of the administrative function which I've um, carried for a long time and which inevitably has grown over recent years. I'm going to conduct next term's opera production, Our Town, the European premiere, um, which I'm looking forward to very much. And I'm then going on to conduct the opera Clonter Farm again in the summer. Um, we've done Cenerentola and Lucia di Lammermoor the last two years. This year we're doing Hansel and Gretel. And that's a very good um, continuation of the sort of training that we do with our singers, but drawing students from, uh, or finishing students from various other colleges as well. Um, and I hope to be able to pick up a bit on um, some freelance work, which I haven't had the capacity to do for most of my career because I've always been tied to a company of one sort or another. So this should free you up in a lot of ways? In many ways it will, yeah. And um, I have, we have talked about me coming back and conducting a couple more operas here over the next few years. And so I look forward to that as well. And if anyone wants me to do anything else, I'll pick up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and do you feel, is it an emotional production this time? Will you feel a kind of 
will it feel quite emotional to leave here in that sense? Yes, I think it will. Um, I mean, just sitting watching rehearsals, you know, I, you can't help but feel proud of what's going on there. Mm. I mean, you know, it, it is just like a proper opera company. Yeah. It, and that's the way it works, and that's the way we always have aspired to work. Um, and it's only when, you know, you stand back and watch those students in performance that you realise just how far they've come from the beginning and how ready they are to go on to professional work. I mean, many of them have got really exciting things lined up already, and so it's, it's great to watch all of that. But, I mean, one of the things about being here and actually conducting the students uh, in productions is that you identify very closely with them. I mean, when you do a show with them, your relationship goes to a whole new level. I mean, it's all very well me being, you know, telling them what the schedule is for next week, but actually when we're there with an audience and we're performing, then we're all putting ourselves on the line together. And you do you d develop a very strong bond with them and you know you get very fond of them yeah and it's very difficult not to yeah, yeah. um well, a whole host of singers and repetitors um some of whom are now hugely known names in the business have passed through the doors here um and have gone on to very successful careers um do you have any favorite memories of your time here well, I think it would be invidious to single out individual students. Yeah, I, I mean, there are so <laughs> many of them. I mean, you know, they all meant a great deal to me at the time. Obviously, as the next batch comes along, they mean a great deal to you as well. One highlight, I suppose, has to be when we won the Queen's Anniversary Prize uh, in 2007, um, which sort of put us on the map in a way which very few other awards can do. Um, over the whole of my period, I've worked with two resident producers, um, Stephen Medcalf and Martin Lloyd-Evans, and they've both been fantastic to work with. They've contributed um, not only great productions, but uh, they've put in a, a, a lot, they've given a lot of input into the whole running and, and ethos of the course, and, uh, and I couldn't have done it without them. So a lot of my memories are concerned with their productions in a way. I mean, in very, very early days when Stephen did Betrothed in a Monastery, we had Rostropovich conducting, and I shared that with him. I mean, that was an amazing um, show at the time. Um, his Finta Giardiniera, uh, Rape Lucretia, Linda de Chamonix, uh, Krennic, uh, the Kaiser Triple Bill, which we did, um, which Martin and Stephen co-directed. Um, Snow Maiden, Penelope. I know Stephen didn't do Penelope, but that's a good memory anyway. Um, <laughs> and are there any that you conducted that are particularly Well, favorites? I've done all of these. Uh, Capriccio was another highlight. Oh, yeah. Um, Martin directed that, uh, and it's the sort of piece that you don't really have any right to do in a, in a conservatoire, but you know, we did it and we had two wonderful casts. Uh, the King Goes Forth to France was another one, um, which in essence is out of the sort of scale of thing which one should be doing, but because we've got so many facilities here, you know, and the technical side and all that, I felt we should have a go at it, and um, that was the first time that had been done since it was performed at Covent Garden in 1980-something, um, and the composer said he enjoyed it more. <laughs> <laughs> so often it's the ones where you've kind of pushed the envelope or yeah. um, done something yes, I mean, very challenging. Yeah, we, we have been pretty adventurous in our choice of repertoire, but I've never felt that we're really sticking our neck on the block. I mean, I, there's always been, we're always in with a chance. <laughs> and with, as I say, with, uh, with the backup that one gets here, and the support of the director and whatever, it's 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 been it's been a great pleasure to do it. And the school's reputation for doing perhaps less recognised operas and things that I think has has flourished under your watch. I think 
Well, we, as I've said at the beginning of this um, chat, we, uh, we choose the pieces to suit the students. We don't say, oh, we're going to do the magic flute in three years' time and then look around for people to put in it. We do it the opposite way around, and I think it does lead us into some backwaters in terms of repertoire occasionally, but I think the message is out now that that is the, is the way it works best, and that what, that's how the students get uh, the maximum benefit out of the training they're given, by making sure that they're always seeing things which they're appropriate to their um, level of development and, and their vo vocal types. Um, well, under your watch, the school's reputation for opera training generally across the world has flourished. Um, what do you think is special about the training here and did, what brought you here? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what brought me here, but um, what brought me here as opposed to anywhere else was the reputation of the school, even at that time. Um, particularly the vocal department. It's all the schools always had very strong vocal departments. We all, also it was um, it had a good reputation in terms of production under my predecessor Anthony Besh. Um, but obviously the thing needed to be moved on to a different level, and I felt that I was at the right stage in my career to actually take that on. Um, the thing that really marks the school out as is is the combination of excellent departments. Uh, I've mentioned the technical department several times, no other um, conservatoire has anything on a similar level. I mean, other conservatoires do have s some technical uh, backup, but what happens here is on a wholly different level from what you find anywhere else. Mm. Um, and it means that we can do uh, fantastic productions. Um, as I say, the vocal department is very strong and the instrumental departments are very professionally orientated, should I say. And so, you know, that you, you, if you put all those things together, you, you stand a chance of producing very good work. Um, in addition to that, being in London, we have access to staff, uh, coaching staff, vocal tutors, drama staff, of very high calibre. And we've been able to, well, to, to, to mould a team over the years, which I think is second to none, really. And I think those, the combination of all those sorts of things um, means that it means that the the course has developed as it has and has reached a very high level. Well, Clive, that's undoubtedly um, down to you being in charge of the reins for the last twenty years or so. Um, thank you very much for talking to us on the podcast, and um, we're very much looking forward to a Midsummer Night's Dream, which opens on the twenty eighth of February in the Barbican Theatre. I believe there's still some tickets left at the Barbican box office. Just a few, I think. <laughs> so, um, thank you very much, and um, we will be there to bid you farewell. But also, we look forward to seeing you conduct our town in the summer. Thank you very much. Thank you.